This episode involves the topics of murder, murder-suicide, suicide, and crimes against a child. Listener discretion is advised. To another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 112. Today, I'll be talking about another family murder. My sources for today's episode are Family Massacre, Season 1, Episode 5, Oxygen.com, MTDemocrat.com, and SouthTahoeNow.com. As usual, all my sources will be linked in today's show notes. This cabin was burned all the way to the ground. I got a scent of kind of a sweet smell. The smell was actually burnt flesh. Investigators discovered the skull of a child. We came to the shocking realization that what we were dealing with was the murder of an entire family. We asked about issues with neighbors. There was a neighbor who was growing marijuana partially on their property. He said, when I get back next weekend, I want it gone. Otherwise, there's going to be trouble. His father was in debt with his business. Some of the employees didn't have such a great relationship with him. Someone's finances is one of the biggest drivers of bad human behavior. It was shocking to think that someone could be so evil. Today's case takes place in El Dorado County, California, in the city of Greenwood, which has an estimated population of about a thousand people. It's a very tight-knit community, and a lot of the homes in the area are vacation homes. On September 13, 2015, a 911 call came in about a possible vegetation fire in Greenwood. The flames were very high when the first responders arrived. The fire was in a creek drainage, which helped from the fire to spread even more. The fire spread to about the length of three football fields. A 600-square-foot structure had been completely burnt down. The first responders described smelling a sweet smell that they later determined was the smell of flesh. They found a skull and chest cavity in the rubble. The area was taped off and the sheriff's department was called in. The structure that had been burned down was either a cabin or a vacation home. When the police arrived, it was still very hot around the structure. When it finally cooled down, a second set of bones were found. The CSI team was called in to the scene. There were several vehicles that had been at the property, an old Dodge work truck and a two-axle trailer. The registration came back to belonging to Adam Buchanan and Buchanan Construction. The Buchanans lived in Bencia, California, about a three-hour drive from Greenwood. The Bencia police were contacted to perform a welfare check on the Buchanan family. In the driveway of the Buchanan home was a white Ford F-150. The police knocked on the door and Nolan Buchanan, who was 16 at the time, answered the door. Nolan told the police that his dad, Adam, his dad's girlfriend, Molly, and his eight-year-old brother, Gavin, had gone to the cabin and were inspected back in a few days. On September 14th, the El Dorado County Police drove to Bencia to interview Nolan and other family members. The police tried to learn everything they could about the Buchanan family and contacted Adam's business. They were, they were able to get their phone numbers to check their phone records, but the phones hadn't been used over the last several days. The police also went to Buchanan Construction and spoke to Howard and Susan, Adam's parents. The police told the Buchanans that they didn't have much information, only that remains had been found at the cabin, which had been burnt. At the time of the fire, the cabin was being remodeled and under construction. The police also found some trash in a burn pit at the cabin. It was collected for evidence in case something important was found, which it was. 
On September 15th, the cabin was extinguished and a third set of remains were found. It was part of a skull and it had a hole in it. It appeared to be consistent with a bullet hole. It was clear that the police had a triple homicide case on their hands. For the first set of remains, a bullet hole was found lodged in the hips and a fragment lodged in the vertebrae. The second set were almost completely burnt, but there were shell casings found around the body. The third set, there was a bullet wound to the head and it was the skull of a child. The remains were a match to Adam and Gavin Buchanan and Molly McAfee. Police called both Molly and Adam's sides of the family to notify them, and they were both devastated. Molly was born to her mom, Susie, who had been a young mother. Molly was described as rebellious but wanted to be loved. Adam was described as always happy and smiling. Adam married young, and with his ex-wife, they had Nolan. They split not too long after they had him, and Nolan had been described as not picking up on things as quickly as Adam had when he was young. Adam hoped that Nolan would someday take over the family business. Molly and Adam met on an online dating site. On their first date, they went to a gun range. Molly became involved in the family business, working as an office manager. Molly moved into the family home in Bencia, and their relationship moved quickly. Together, they had Gavin, and they were also engaged. According to Molly's family, she and Adam fought a lot. They also revealed to the police in the past that Molly did have rough times and had attempted suicide in the past. On September 16th, the police searched through the ashes and rubble to try to find anything resembling a murder weapon or a piece of a firearm. There was no firearm found, and it was clear that it wasn't a murder-suicide. The police again wanted to speak to Nolan. He had went to live with his grandparents. Nolan was very matter-of-fact and didn't show much emotion. He said he had stayed behind because he had things to do around the house. Nolan confirmed that they had driven the Dodge work truck up to the cabin. Nolan was asked if they had any issues with anyone, and Nolan said one of their neighbors had been growing marijuana on their property. Nolan also revealed that the Buchanan construction was struggling at the time. He said they only had five employees at the time, and he said he knew that Adam was in debt. According to Molly's mom, Susie, Adam had discovered the neighbor's pot farm in October of 2014. Adam had told the neighbors that he wanted the pot farm gone by the time he came back, and he also threatened to call the police. Back to September 2015, on September 17th, the police confirmed from other employees that the construction business was failing, and they were about $30,000 in debt. The employees said that Adam wanted everything his way and was very hard-headed. The police thought that maybe an angry ex-employee could have killed them. On September 19th, a reservoir cleanup was being done about 0.7 miles away from the Buchanan construction. A purse and a 22 caliber rifle were found. In the purse, Adam's ID was found. The family business became the main motive for why three people were killed. On September 20th, the police went back to Buchanan construction and they discovered that the business had surveillance cameras. On the Friday that Adam, Gavin, and Molly left for the cabin, Adam and Nolan were at the business loading rock onto the two-axle trailer that had been found at the cabin. The trailer had been attached to the Ford F-150, not the Dodge work truck, which conflicted Nolan's story. Susie and Molly's sister Rachel said Nolan's behavior was odd when they got together with him for lunch. Nolan was asked why he hadn't been at the cabin, and Nolan responded that he was now an owner of the family business. They also said that Nolan was wearing two large gold rings. He said he had just bought them. Rachel and Susie just said they knew Nolan had done something to his family, and the police wanted to interview Nolan for a second time as well.
Colin again confirmed that he had been at his home alone on Saturday and went in and went into what he did on Sunday. He said on Sunday he went to church with his girlfriend and her family. He said he then hung out with his friends after and went on a date with his girlfriend that night. He said that Adam had left him an ATM card. The police obtained a warrant for the Bencia residence. The ATM card was found. The Ford F-150 was found in the driveway. The truck had dirt on it, which was consistent with the dirt in Greenwood, and the truck was seized. Nolan was now the prime suspect. He just had no concern for his dead family, and his fingerprints were found on the 22 caliber, caliber rifle. Adam and Molly's bank accounts were examined, and they needed to place Nolan at the cabin during the time of the murder. On Friday, September 11th, there was a transaction at a Taco Bell in Fairfield. Fairfield was on the way to the cabin, and the Ford F-150 was seen going through the drive-thru. The Taco Bell receipt was found in the Ford F-150. The receipt showed that there were four drinks purchased, and there was trash from Taco Bell was found in the fire pit at the cabin. It proved that four people were at the cabin on September 11th, not three. On Saturday, September 12th, there was a transaction at an ATM at the Valencia Club, which was 30 minutes away from the cabin in Greenwood. Adam and Molly were seen at the bar on the surveillance footage. It showed that the bank card was in Adam's possession and Nolan had most likely taken it. The police knew when Adam and Molly had left the bar and drove the 30-minute route. They also looked for any surveillance footage along the route. A local restaurant had surveillance footage facing the highway. At 2.30 a.m., the Ford F-150 was seen driving towards the cabin, and at 3.30 a.m., the Ford F-150 was seen again leaving the cabin. The truck at this time had been driven by Nolan after the fire had been started. Nolan had used the bank card at McDonald's, Starbucks, and a local gas station. Nolan was seen in the family truck at McDonald's on the surveillance footage. On October 1, 2015, Nolan was interviewed again at his high school. Nolan was confronted. He was told that the police knew that Adam hadn't left his bank card and that Adam had used it before he was murdered. Nolan was also shown a photo from the Taco Bell parking lot of the Ford F-150 truck and trailer. Nolan didn't have any answers and was arrested. He was charged with the murders and special excursions for using a firearm. A motion was filed to move Nolan from juvenile court to adult court, and the motion was granted in 2017. At the hearing, Nolan was claiming it was self-defense, and he claimed Adam had been the actual killer. Nolan took the stand. He claimed he had been in bed asleep with Gavin sleeping right next to him. He said he woke up after he heard screaming and gunshots. He said he saw the barrel of the gun being pointed at Gavin. He said Gavin had been shot once. Nolan said the gun was pointed at him next, and he stood up to wrestle the gun away from his dad. He said he shot twice once he was able to get the gun away. Nolan said he then set everyone on fire and left in the Ford F-150 truck. The forensic pathologist was able to testify that the hole found in Gavin's skull was proof that the shot was a perpendicular shot. It was believed that Gavin was killed while Adam and Molly were at the bar, and then Nolan ambushed them when they came home. The jury deliberated for two hours, and Nolan Buchanan was found guilty of three counts of first-degree murder. On July 13, 2018, he was sentenced to 150 years to life in prison. Nolan's motive was greed and the family business. Nolan thought that he deserved everything that his dad had. He will be eligible for parole after serving 25 years. It's really sad that a 16-year-old would kill his entire family, let alone a young child. Susie and Rachel think that Nolan is a psychopath. Nolan didn't show any emotion and maybe can't show emotion, 
He only seemed to care about money and owning the family business. But I'd love to know what you think. Do you think Nolan is a psychopath? My book recommendation for this week is Gone Tonight by Sarah Pacannon. Summary. Catherine Sterling thinks she knows her mother. Ruth Sterling is quiet, hardworking, and lives for her daughter. All her life, it's just been the two of them against the world. But now Catherine is ready to spread her wings, move from home, and begin a new career. And Ruth Sterling will do anything to prevent that from happening. Ruth Sterling thinks she knows her daughter. Catherine would never rebel, would never question anything about her mother's past or background. But when Ruth's desperate quest to keep her daughter by her side begins to reveal cracks in Ruth's carefully constructed world, both mother and daughter begin a dance of deception. No one can know Ruth's history. There is a reason why Ruth kept them moving every few years and why she was ready, in a moment's notice, to be gone that night. But danger is closing in. Is it coming from the outside, from Ruth's past? Is Ruth reaching a breaking point, or is the danger coming from the darkness that may live in Catherine herself? Any parent would do anything to protect their child, but how far would a parent go? I have covered many cases where a parent will either assist in helping their child cover up a crime, and I've seen some where the parent is the first to turn their child in. In this book, Ruth will do anything to hold on to her daughter, but Catherine might have to pry into her mother's life to try to get away from her and her grasp. I really liked the plot and the characters, and I was almost rooting for Catherine to get away from her mom. And I give this book a 9 out of 10. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe to my blog, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, email me at itscrimeoclocksummer at gmail.com, buy me a coffee, and please leave me a five-star rating and review if you're enjoying this podcast. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation, and remember, it's Crime O'Clock Somewhere. <laughs>